Welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a creature, build him into a stat block, and program him for survival. My name is Matt. And I have learned how to grow. So it's late. Yeah, I tried <laughs> yeah. to die. So a couple, uh, 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 roughly roughly a month, month and a week ago, I, I said when I we were like, hey, I'm going to do yeah. Godzilla, I said, I do kind of wish that my episode would fall a little bit closer to my birthday. And somewhere in the world, a monkey's paw yeah. curled a finger. You got your wish, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> um, it's It's been a bit since we've even recorded. It really has been, yeah. Um, but here we are. We're, 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 we're here. We're finally here. I know. <laughs> I, I'm struggling. It's, it took me so long to start. It's like... What do we do how this? Do I ha- how do... What do I say? Who do I... Who... Okay. But, um, so yeah, uh, as we mentioned... A long time ago, it feels like. Uh, my birthday is just around the corner, and um, I figured instead of... I, I figured it'd be a little self-indulgent to classify it as a holiday and release a bonus episode. <laughs> um, so instead, I just, said, just just decided to dedicate the whole month to me by... Um, oh, yeah, that's much better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I decided to go ahead and do um, the first Godzilla movie I ever owned, which was Godzilla vs. Megalon, which... Um, and for, for reasons, I'm actually not alone. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of '80s and '90s kids, uh, Godzilla fans, this was a big first for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, this movie uh, released in Japan in 1973. Uh, it had actually been in U.S. It, it actually got a U.S. theatrical release in '76. So three years later, I honestly. I either forgot or didn't know that it actually had a theatrical release here That's in the States. kind of surprising to think about. It's insane when to think about, especially when you realize what this movie is and what it represents for Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also the first Godzilla movie to receive an American primetime network television premiere. Nice. Uh, but it was cut down at the time to fit a one-hour block. Um, plus, uh, with room for commercials and skits involving John Belushi in a Godzilla suit. Wow. So, I mean, there is a lot of stuff you can cut out of this movie, so <laughs> I could see where they would be able to do that. But, I mean, they cut it down to, like, 48 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, interestingly enough, the movie underperformed Japan. Really? It, it bombed in Japan hard. Uh, but it made a relatively big splash here in the States. That's funny. For better or worse. Yeah. So, not only did it get that theatrical release and uh, television premiere... Um, Due in part to the editing and some really strange marketing at the time, uh, the the trailers at the time, um, not only um, amongst other things, um, misnamed both Jet Jaguar and Gigan as Robot Robotman and Borodon, Robot. or Borodon probably American is yeah. probably Borodan, but anyway, um, yeah, and it was also uh, because like. There's a lot of conflicting information on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one source told me that it w- had entered the public domain in the late 80s, which I thought was suspect because Toho owns the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, that's not how public domain works. It, you can't, no. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, you can't get uh, a single movie of a property can't become whatever. I, yeah. But anyway. There's so much of that I don't understand. But, it's just like how yeah, but it, the Sherlock Holmes thing is he's I now in public domain, but he's been in public domain for a while, but now it's like the entire works are in public domain. It's very strange. It, right. I, I don't understand how it works, but this movie, um, 
it either entered public domain or people thought it did, or there was some sort of legal loophole that allowed American distributors to get a hold of it. Right. And as such, it ended up being the first Godzilla film to be picked up by MST3K. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that kind mm-hmm. of a... And because of all of this, like I said, it was a pretty popular, you know, relatively popular mm-hmm. Godzilla movie in America. Which says a lot about how Americans viewed Godzilla and other Japanese monster movies for a long time. I think yeah. that, that that kind of stigma has changed over the years, especially oh, with the new monster version. Yeah. But, but, you know, back then, growing up in the 90s and, and the, the early aughts, you always had the people parodying the pad dubbing and... Uh-huh. Austin Powers touched it. Everybody's touched it. Everybody's hit that. This is the type of Godzilla film that they are referencing when they make those jokes. Well, and it, it like, very much um, brings into uh, focus, like, the the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla, where it's like, okay, they can call on Godzilla because he's their friend, and he'll just beat up a monster for him and stuff like that, because that's what happens here. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I mean, that, that's that's something as well, but this, this movie really brought it to light the camp of Godzilla yeah. because I mean, yes, the Shawa era is a lot of camp. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of camp in there, but the rest of the Godzilla series, there's a lot of serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the Hesse series is its own thing, but uh-huh. you know, and I, and I'm admittedly most of the more serious Godzilla movies are more recent, um, mm-hmm. uh, or save for maybe of the first couple. But, um, but whenever people think Godzilla and think that camp, because that they, they just can't, separate the two this is the type of movie that right. caused that yeah yeah um so like i said for better or worse because it is it is goofy as shit and on the outside as a film it's bad it's hilarious uh-huh. and bad mst3k was right to pick it up and <laughs> like yeah, there's a lot to make fun of that being said i adore this movie oh yeah um yeah. there's a lot to love <laughs> they're not the human characters but <laughs> well <laughs> Okay. Uh, but it was directed by uh, Jun Fukuda, who also directed uh, f- five other Godzilla movies. Uh, Ebra, Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which would come a couple films later, and then The Terror of Mechagodzilla, which was the last one before the reboot in 1985, right. or 1984. Um, so, he, he has some Godzilla camp chops. Mm-hmm. Although I would argue that uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and some of the more recent like um, ones are a lot less camp. They, it's still there, but they're better. Yeah, um, and very very enjoyable. Whereas like some of the older ones, Ebra, Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, oh, Son for of Godzilla sure. Is rough. Yeah, they, they're they're pretty they're pretty campy. Yeah, and there's a lot of stock footage. <laughs> but um, yeah, they filmed like three total movies <laughs> and then just spread them out over like six. Well, yeah. Cause there's a scene in this one where, um, they use stock footage that they used in Godzilla versus Gigan. Mm-hmm. That was already stock footage from a different monster movie. I don't remember the title nice. of it already, but like it's, it's a scene where Megalon jumps behind some trees and is hiding from like the maser cannons. Um, it, I guess if you look closely, it sure as hell ain't Megalon. It's like some furried creature. Oh. But it was also used in Godzilla vs. Gigan when Gigan did the same thing. Nice. Um, Wonder if that's um, War of the uh, was it War of the Giganters? It's Gigantors? it started with G. I, I remember that. I don't. Gigantos? I didn't notate it. But anyway, neither here nor there. And I'll, I'll we'll cover a little bit more when we get into it. I don't want to do the entire like info dump at the beginning. Right. Here, but now this is where things get tricky. 
Okay. And I'm honestly not sure what to believe anymore. Oh, no. Because I, like, I don't remember where I'd learned it. I was looking through some of my source books that I personally have, and uh-huh. I couldn't find the information. But um, I always knew, believed that this movie was going to be a Jet Jaguar standalone movie. They were going to be making a giant robot. An can, Ultraman. An yeah. Ultraman. They were going to make an... Toho wanted their own Ultraman. Yeah. And it was going to be Jet Jaguar versus Megalon or That's something. That's what I always understood. Um, and then they uh, later decided that, you know, Jet Jaguar, this wouldn't have enough staying power to bring mm-hmm. in audiences. We better throw Godzilla in. I have seen that information online when I was looking, mm-hmm. but then I've also seen completely conflicting information that completely debunks it, saying, no, this is a fan theory. This is a popular belief. There's no certain, no, no, no evidence to say. IMDb even has one blurb that says this is a lie. This is uh-huh. not true. And then like five entries down, it straight up has that one in there. Yeah. I mean, so, well, IMDb is a glorified wiki. So. Right, right. But I couldn't. I tried my best to do right, to research into this to mm-hmm. see which was true, and I couldn't. I couldn't come up with anything. Everything I turned up to was people either saying this is what happened, and other people saying nope, this isn't what happened. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what I mean, to believe. It sure feels that way because Godzilla is just kind of tacked on to this. Movie. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't show up until the last into the last third essentially. Yeah. But at the same time, that's also kind of Godzilla. Yeah. And if you look at Toho's other films. They ain't shy about just throwing something at the wall to see what sticks. I mean, sticks. this is very true. So, I, it's, it's hard to say. But, um, but one thing that did get agreed upon was that um, Megalon, uh, Megalon himself um, was, going, was originally going to be in the movie uh, All Monsters Attack, which mm-hmm. is the notorious Godzilla movie that is not so great. Yeah. A lot of fans hate it, where all of the everything in, that happens in it is an imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Godzilla, Megalon was going to be the, uh, the antagonist in that movie, but he was cut in favor of Gabara. Uh, he was then redesigned and planned to be used in multiple other Godzilla projects that never really saw the light of day. Uh, over and over again until eventually he did make it into this film. Um, as far as Jet Jaguar goes, uh, Toho held a contest during the height of the Ultraman popularity back then to have fans submit designs for a a, a robot that they could, mm-hmm. they could make. And a uh, an elementary school student made a design that he called the Red Arone uh, that was submitted and chosen. Um, and Toho redesigned his his submission to be intentionally unattractive and obnoxious and then changed the name to Jet Jaguar. Apparently the kid was actually sobbing when they showed him. He was wow. he was so distraught that they had changed his Why'd design. Why did they do that? I couldn't tell you. That's really messed I up. I couldn't tell you. I mean I mean I am not the most well-versed mm-hmm. and this might be a controversial statement. I love Godzilla. I do not think Toho is a good company. No. <laughs> so but anyway, um, so that's what that's what we have. Uh, so that's some of the background in this movie. Uh, Chris, uh, you yeah. you said so. What did you end up watching? Did you watch the English dub? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I watched it because um, recently Midnight Pulp put up a bunch of Godzilla movies uh, for free to watch. So that is where I watched it. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the same dub that you watched. Probably, yeah. It probably, I watched this on freaking YouTube. Oh, really? I didn't even realize it was on YouTube. No, it's free on YouTube with ads. Wow. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is dubbed. Although I did have to pull up the sub just in one point just to see what the mm-hmm. hell was going on with something, and I'll get to that in a minute. But 
but yeah, I watched the English dub because that's what I grew up with, and that's the experience that I wanted to relive and share. So, all right, so uh, the movie opens up um, with a narration about a small island near the Aleutians in 1971 where, and I quote, the second underground nuclear test took place. I don't think that's true. It actually is. Really? <laughs> well, m maybe maybe not th this specific, but America did do some underground well, yeah. nuclear testing in that area at that time. Okay. So that's relatively true. Um, and the narration then says, this is what happened. And then there's just a bunch of explosions. <laughs> in the first part of 1971, on a small island near the Aleutians, the second underground nuclear test took place. This is what happened. Well, I mean, yeah, not an inaccurate, I guess. Yep. Uh, these explosions affected Monster Island in the South Pacific. I hate it when that happens. Yep. Um, so I think it's worth mentioning that this... So for those uninitiated, the Godzilla mythos, as it were... Uh -huh. It starts off as Godzilla Big Antagonist. Right. Second movie is a direct sequel. Then they go for a little while. He and then <laughs> and then yeah, and then those movies are largely unconnected. I mean, they are it's it's understood that they're all kind of in the same universe because everybody at that point knows who Godzilla is and what right. he's about. But it's more like they're sequels to the first movie, right? Well, kind of like th there's some link going on. Like for example, um at the end of uh, Godzilla Raids Again, which is the second one, mm -hmm. they trap him in an iceberg. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of Godzilla vs. Kong, which is the third one, or King Kong vs. Godzilla, technically, because Godzilla vs. King Kong is the newest one. Or Godzilla vs. Kong. Anyway, whatever. The third movie, God King Kong vs. Godzilla, has Godzilla emerging from an iceberg. Uh -huh. So there's a little bit of continuity there. They, ne you know, None of the characters ever mention any of the other monsters from the other movies, other than Godzilla. But... Um, but that's just kind of how they, they go for a while. Well, after a while, they decided that Godzilla... Like, they started transitioning Godzilla from being the, the antagonist mm -hmm. to the hero. Yeah. Um, they redesigned his suit. They made him look real goofy and friendly and happy and more children-friendly. And he eventually became the hero of Earth. And that continuity went for a while where they did the same thing, where... It was, it was kind of understood that this was all in the same mm -hmm. universe and the same timeline up until the end of Terror of Mechagodzilla. And then that's when they rebooted it for 1985. Um, or Return of Godzilla, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, so at this point, Monster Island is a fully established thing. Yeah. And in the middle of the Shawa series, like other Toho monsters that had encountered Godzilla, Rodan and Mothra and stuff, those were all pretty much known to humanity in the continuity of the world. <laughs> So we get, uh, they're on Monster Island. We get stock footage of Godzilla, Rodan, and Anguirus having a real bad time as everything is exploding. There are just so many explosions. This goes on for forever. <laughs> and, the, and the explosion noises are um, not good. No. <laughs> uh, and then we get the title drop, the big, the big title screen. And some swinging music begins to play. Yeah, this is very, like, late 60s, early 70s. <laughs> especially, like, in the hair and the fashion and the music. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and by the way, what what's the deal with this era of Japan putting their their boys, their little boys, in, in tiny, the tiny pants? in the tiniest shorts possible? Yeah, it's 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 a choice that I do not like. <laughs> yeah, our our Kenny for this movie has just the teeniest tiniest shorts. <laughs> it's the like. worst. 
Somewhere Dick Grayson is, Dick Grayson is looking on and nodding in approval. <laughs> but yeah, so some swinging music plays, still more explosion noises, and eventually we cut to small child Arcani for the evening uh-huh. on a weird boat thing in the middle of the lake that I, I always dearly yeah, wanted this, as a kid. What the hell is this thing? I don't know. Like when it, when I was a kid, I always thought because being a dumb kid, I'm a dumb adult. I was even dumber as a kid. Um, I never really connected the dots in a lot of these movies, but uh-huh. I did. I do remember for this movie going, okay, this is um, a you know, this is an inventor. He he builds right. He builds. He's inventing. I always thought as a kid that this was one of his inventions that our Kenny for the evening was yeah. testing. But no, it's, it's just. It's just like a weird little boat dolphin yeah, thing. Yeah, with, it's really weird. It's weird, but whatever. Um, so, uh, Arkeny is, uh, his name is Rokuro, or uh, as they call him in the English dub, Roxon. Yep. I don't know why they have the honorifics in this one, in I, English dub. Yeah, that really threw me. And it's also the wrong honorifics. Yeah. Because in the Japanese, he's Roku-chan. Uh-huh. So I'm not really sure why they decided to do that, but they did. So he, they, they call him Roxon. Rock yeah. song. Um, I'm just going to call him Rakura from here on forth. Um, but uh, he's at the lake relaxing with his older brother Goro and Goro's friend Hiroshi. Yeah. Um, Rakuro is played by Hiroyuki Kawase, who was also the kid in the preceding Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Hidora. Oh, so he's a two time Kenny. He is. Um, Goro is played by Katsu- uh, Katsuhiku Satsuki who would go on to be in Terror of Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs. Biollante, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, and even voiced a character in Star Wars Visions. Dang. Which has surprised me a little bit. Hiroshi? Hiroshi is played by y- uh, Yutaka oh, Hayashi, no. who went on to be in such films as The Red Petal is Wet, Wet and Rope, Yummy in Neon Town, I Am Ready to Be Eaten, and Sexy Pudding. Almost addictive. Oh, dear. So that guy's had a career. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so they're all enjoying on the lake, and then an earthquake happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goro and Hiroshi try to call him back, but they can't. So, hey, the rocket. Hey, the rocket. They get a rocket. Yeah. because <laughs> uh, Lights happen in the water, and a whirlpool forms, um, and they fire the rocket to, which has a line attached to it, and they reel, they reel a Rokuro in. Uh, and it seems like the lake is draining real fast. And forlorn music plays for the boat as it sinks. Because they get they got Ricardo to the mm-hmm. shore, and then the boat goes down, and we play the boat out. There's a big old crack at the bottom of the lake, um, and it is completely dried up. The lake drained, gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, whimsical music plays while they drive home, and we learn through, uh, through the radio and other narration that the, uh, the nuclear tests... That have been going on have been causing all kinds of earthquakes, and then Goro tells us about the fabled lost continents of Mu and Lemuria. Just, yep, you know, this is presented by fact by this scientist man. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I thought was interesting, especially since he even does say that some a lot of historians think they're just legends. Not him though. But not not him. He's no, a sci- he's, they're they're fact. He's he's, he's an engineer. Fact. He knows. Um. They get back to the uh, they get back to their lab, I guess, and we get some of that interesting like banter between characters that is meant to deliver exposition and information to the audience. Yeah. Hey, listen, it would be funny if the earthquakes destroyed your robot. 
<laughs> Hilarious. But they, they go into the lab, and this fun house of a lab has been what broken into. What the fuck into. is this place? <laughs> it's, it's a unique design, to say the least. Yeah. It, it's the, the, I love the exterior. I think it looks uh-huh. really, really cool. It definitely looks like that um, postmodern 70s era yeah, architecture. Yeah. But inside is <laughs> There's... fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> My favorite decor of this building is the big cubes hanging yes. from chains in the front door. Yes. <laughs> it's great. It's so weird. And they become a plot device. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, they were the house was broken into and they're attacked by a man who doesn't know how to gun. Not at all. He's holding a gun like you don't hold a gun yeah, and he's, he's using a gun it as a like bludgeon. You hold a walkie-talkie. <laughs> George Lucas would love this man. Yeah. Um and he attacks Goro and Rock and uh, Rakuro. Um, Rakuro makes a noise that sounds a little like Dad in the uh, in the dub, and the subtitles deem it so, which brings up a lot of questions because never else in the movie he does he refer to Goro as Dad. Yeah, and in all sources it says Goro is his brother. Yeah, <laughs> so it confused me quite a bit, and I actually had to pull up the Japanese version just to see what he says. Uh huh. He makes a noise. He just goes yeah. ah. <laughs> or something like that. It just sounds like duh. Yeah, it's it's weird, but but the subtitle said it's dad. It's so. not. <laughs> um, but after this this would be robber knocks the two of them out. Hiroshi comes in and fights this man off and his this man's accomplice. And no wait, he gets his ass kicked. I'm sorry. He sure does. Um, <laughs> but he does tear off a weird red button from one of the guy's shirts. Uh. After the two the two men flee, and Hiroshi checks to see if Rakuro and Goro are okay, but then heads out and sees them speed off. He jumps into his lab to give chase. Goro checks out the lab, which has a decapitated robot in it. Yeah, um, but he do. but he does determine that nothing seems to be stolen. But these these robbers definitely were looking for something. They trashed the place, and Rakuro even says his room was messed up. Um, and while cleaning the place up, Rokuro finds some red sand on the floor. And then we cut to exciting car chase. Um, or something. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, this car chase is mostly just sped up footage of people driving and close-ups of the drivers spinning the wheel while screeching tire sounds yeah, happen. Yeah. And those screeching tire sounds are, are constant and intrusive. They really are. <laughs> They're the worst. Um, but one of the uh, one of the bad men tosses a grenade out the window to cause a Windows Movie Maker effect to stop Hiroshi. I think this movie predates Windows Movie Maker, Matt. <laughs> they inv- okay. Well, Windows Movie Maker uses this effect. Okay, in there you stuff. go. That's better. But um, yeah, Hiroshi can't dro- drive over the small line of fire that was created. Um, but uh, this movie likes its lines of fire. Doesn't it, it does. Is 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 a big like fan. That, they of like fire. that effect. <laughs> effect. <laughs> yeah. So they. Uh, Hiroshi gives up, goes back to the lab, and reunites with everybody, and Rakuro makes the observation that the button he found is the same color of the sand. You know, red. Yeah, yeah, things are red. Things are red. These two things are red. Connection must be happening. Um, and then we have a very this small... This is like some, some 1960s Batman <laughs> shit, like... And then we have a very small montage of them examining the button. Like, they smash it, and it turns out, yep, it's made of sand. It's made of red. And it's made of red. Um... 
And in this montage, we also see them, like, it, it seamlessly switches from them smashing open the button and uh -huh. swirling it in some, you know, in some science tubes and checking it to make sure it's red. And then they're, like, welding and melting down and forging. I, and it's like, what are they doing to the sand? And, oh, no, they were finishing They were finishing the robot. Yeah, and I cannot give a single shit what these people are doing. <laughs> I really can't. This is so boring. Yep. Um days question mark later some amount of time some later. amount of time later hiroshi returns to the lab to find rakuro working on a clown on the clown bicycle of motorcycles oh my god this <laughs> fucking <laughs> the motorcycle is small yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's a tiny bike. It's a teeny tiny bike. <laughs> yeah, um, Hiroshi is apparently working on this motorcycle because this kid really aspires after his older brother to be an engineer of some sort. Something. Um, and he's given up the water. He wants to stick to land now. Yeah. And we get a line drop to learn that Hiroshi is a race car driver. That's apparently his profession. It's his profession. He's an amateur, though. So, which is why he couldn't ch couldn't catch the the things. Th though this comes up later, which is hilarious. But, uh, and then off Rokuro goes on his teeny tiny bike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, inside, Hiroshi tells Goro that they've been checking out the sand and that it's from a strata 30 miles below the seabed, or also Easter Island. One of those two. Yep. So, I guess Hiroshi is also a geologist? Or he knows <laughs> a geologist? Not pictured in this movie, but... <laughs> like, it is... These characters are so tangentially related to what is going on in this movie. It's just... Man. Yep. yep. Um, and Goro, who is well-versed in the legends of Mu and Lemuria, has no idea what Easter Island is. This... <laughs> so we have to get that little bit of a drop. Right. Of misinformation also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Goro is very troubled by this information. <laughs> yeah, he does not like Easter Island and uh, yep. knowing what it is. But that's okay. He finished the robot. Yay! Yeah. And then we learned that, oh, the villains didn't actually steal anything. They planted a bug, which is why they tore up the place. Yeah. Well, they had to make it look like it got tossed. <laughs> I guess. Like, it, it was a, a double blind. Ooh. There's um, But yeah, Goro finished the robot and just kind of apropos of nothing, names him Jet Jaguar. Presumably after a lost loved one. <laughs> after after their father. J J Jet Jaguar. <laughs> Mr. Jaguar. <laughs> Mr. Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we get a look, uh, and, they, and uh, like I have to say, they are very insistent on pronouncing it Jaguar uh -huh. throughout the entire movie. So there's, I've always pronounced him J Jaguar because uh -huh. of this, and I remember you've corrected me a couple times, like, uh -huh. no, it's Jet Jaguar, and I'm like, no, it's not. I know it's it's Jet Jaguar. I don't know what you're talking be about. It should be Jet Jaguar, but <laughs> I'll call him Jet Jaguar. Jet Jaguar, eh? Not bad. You're right. It suits him. That's a great name. That's just because the dubbers don't know how to pronounce Jaguar. Yeah. Or maybe they looked at this and they're like, that ain't a Jaguar. That's not a Jaguar. That's not yeah. a Jaguar, so it must be a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> it looks more like a car than a jet than a cat, so. So, um, I wanted to do this. I you, you may have noticed that I've put the pictures of yes, the monsters in here. I want to start doing this going forward. Uh -huh. Let's talk a little bit about Jet Jaguar's design. If we must. If we must. Um when they said that Jet, they made design Jet Jaguar uh, unattractive and yeah. obtrusive, they weren't kidding. No, no. This is uh, the GoBots version of Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I guess the original design was like an all sleek, all white design. Uh -huh. So they added the red, blue, and yellow coloring to him to make him they, look they have like to give this. him like a cutoff tee, though. Like he's got, he's got a, <laughs> a midriff going on there. Oh god! If you look at that his shirt, then he's not wearing pants. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's just wearing spandex under. He's wearing like a uh, like a, unitard? a half unitard. Uh huh. A cutoff t-shirt with the sleeves, elbow pads, <laughs> knee pads, and knee-high boots. Yeah. Um, it's not a good look. And then, of no. course, not pictured here, he's got, like, this... And a shit-eating grin. A shit-eating grin. He's got this, like, angular head. Uh-huh. And we find out in the movie that little antenna kind of sprout from that. Yeah, they sure do. Receivers or something. But, I mean, for the most part, other than all that, he's just a dude. This is this is just a man. This is just a... Like, remember when Elon Musk said he was going to have a robot, and he just got a dude dressed up in, like, tinfoil out on stage? He's like, this is what our robot looks like, and the guy did a robot dance? That's Jet Jaguar, basically. <laughs> Except I think I respect Jet Jaguar a bit more. Oh, absolutely. Jet Jaguar is an icon. Excuse me, Jet Jaguar. Jaguar. See, now you got me, you got me corrected. Now I've got to go back. I can't do it. <laughs> So anyway, um, the villains here, over here, the, the robot's done, and they're testing it out. So they immediately abduct Rakuro off of his tiny bike. Yep. And we say, we bid farewell to tiny bike. We also learn that Jet Jaguar's eyes are TV cameras, and also it has automatic evasion devices, so it'll always get out of your way. What does State that mean? State of the art. It's a, it, it's a Roomba. Oh. This is what that means. Okay. <laughs> Little cameras that can tell when things are in its way. Okay. Um, the villains bring Rokuro. <laughs> I'm just picturing Jet Jaguar rolling around the house cleaning up dust. I would, if I had a Roomba and had the uh, the, the technological and uh, let's just say uh, energy to actually do it, I'd paint that thing sucker yeah. to look like Jet Jaguar. <laughs> um, but the villains bring Rokuro home, back home to trick Goro into letting them inside. Um, <laughs> then they just fucking shoot Rokuro. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> they open the door and they just fucking shoot him. Yeah. Um, great. Yep. <laughs> That's one way to get rid of a Kenny. And then Jet Jaguar performs the lamest headbutt slapstick bow maneuver I've Ugh. ever seen. Because it's like they go in and I think it's supposed to be like Jet Jaguar is being a good house guest and yeah. or, or like a host, a host and, yeah. and bowing to his visitors. But the first guy runs in and just like <laughs> just friggin decks himself on Jet Jaguar's head and it knocks him out. It's really weird. But uh, it doesn't really deter them as the, uh, the the two of them run in and they just shoot Goro and Hitoshi in the face. So it turns out this gun just shoots like sleeping gas or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's not actually gun. bullets. <laughs> it shoots sleep bullets. And then the villains sit down and contact some place called Seatopia. This will be our not Atlantis for the evening. Yeah. Or our Fruitopia. I could go for a refreshing Fruitopia a refreshing right now. <laughs> Maybe, do you think Seatopia exports Fruitopia? I'd hope so. <laughs> Remember how in high school there was that one Fruitopia machine in school that would sometimes give you double cans? Oh yeah, that thing was great. Yeah, everyone went to that machine. <laughs> yep, everybody went to that machine and it did sometimes give it you double. It gave you it double great. cans, yeah. Those were good days. Good days. Um, so, we then cut to Seatopia. And so, Seatopia has some fashions There's going some, on. <laughs> they are serving some looks in this place. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, Seatopia itself, like, it consists of some weird and very boring sets of just yeah, underground yeah. caves. And also a map painting of a weird landscape. Um, and lots of togas. So, Leader Guy, 
has a lot of body oh hair. Oh my god, yes, this guy is her sweet. This guy has a lot of, a lot of body hair, and he wears a toga. Uh-huh. <laughs> There are a bunch of women in, uh, the best I can describe is KKK clear plastic raincoats. I do not understand what these people are wearing. Yeah, and they're they're wearing, like, bikinis or just their underwear underneath. Uh-huh. They're dancing around him. And then there's a bunch of other dudes in togas and turbans who are praying to a really bad Easter Island replica statue. Yeah, yeah, it's a knockoff uh, Moe statue. Uh-huh. And then there's a pair of very disinterested-looking priestesses standing guards at the sides. Um, so the leader of <laughs> the leader of Cetopia, who does not is not name dropped in the movie, does have a credited credited oh, name of Emperor Antonio of Cetopia. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Uh, so it turns out that Cetopia is an underwater country. The water is not shown. The water is not shown. Uh, yeah. Water did not show up to set this day. Um, but it's an underwater country that has that's been partially destroyed by the nuclear tests, and uh, Emperor Antonio's plan is to unleash Megalon to the surface and have Jet Jaguar guide him to do round to wreck havoc. Um, he gives a rousing speech and implores Megalon to do just that. <laughs> this is so fucking funny because he's just like, "Come on, Megalon, get out of bed. Come on, big guy, you can do it." <laughs> he's the, he's the come alarm on, clock. Megalon. <laughs> Gotta wake, gotta wake Megalon up from his slumber. Yeah. Um, and Megalon does. He he wakes up and begins burrow fly twirling he, up to the surface. Yeah, he motivates himself somehow. I don't I don't know what you call his method of locomotion, but he's moving. He's moving. <laughs> he's going. He's going places. Um, and then we fade to Bakuro and uh, Goro tied up in some sort of like cargo container that seems to be on the move. Uh, it turns out that the agents, these two Cetopian agents, have paid a couple of delivery drivers 100,000 yen to dump the cargo container into the crack at the dried-up lake. Yeah. Presumably down to Cetopia. Yeah. And uh, in these scenes, uh, yes, these these truck drivers have full Playboy pinups yeah. um, plastered on the back window. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and I, I double-checked, because I, I missed it the first time around, even though I'd heard about this before, I had to double-check. The pinups change between scenes. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> they got bored of the old ones and had to put I new guess ones. so. One of them gets a lot more PG. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, because the other one does not. But <laughs> but these scenes were uh, definitely some of the ones that were cut from the... Oh, I uh, imagine so, yes. <laughs> Is this the only Godzilla movie to feature your full frontal nudity? Might be. Huh. As far as I'm aware, unless there's more Minuti mags hidden in some one of the other yeah. ones that I'm unaware of. So, yep, Godzilla vs. Megalon. That's yep. where you can see nips. <laughs> if you really want to. <laughs> you want to see you want to see some 1970s nips. <laughs> there you go. Um, the Cetopian agents uh, hijack Jet Jaguar and send him away into the sky. And while one of them is with the truck drivers, the other one, the other agent monologues at Hiroshi, who's kind of still tied up at the lab. I'm not really sure why. I don't know why so they kept this. So we can escape later. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, we learned that Cetopia was swallowed up by the er by the Earth slash sea millions of years ago in an earthquake, and the Cetopians somehow managed to create their own oxygen supply, and then eventually their own sun. I imagine it was kind of a bummer for them being <laughs> underwater until they could do that. <laughs> yeah, because it is implied that they learned how to do that over time. Yeah. I hope they learned quick. <laughs> I mean, they had to have. They're they're there. Yeah. So yeah, I want to know how they did this and what that even means. Like, what does it mean to create your own sun? 
What does that do to the earth? <laughs> Nothing good, I imagine. <laughs> but this is not elaborated on. It's just no. It's lines. just kind of thrown out there. Yep. And, um, yeah. I also this this is my favorite part though. They claim to be a highly advanced civilization, uh -huh. like far beyond humanity. Mm -hmm. But they decided to steal Jet Jaguar because they need a robot army and don't have the time to invent them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible. <laughs> They're an advanced society, but also a lazy one. Yeah. <laughs> um, after this monologue is done, Hiroshi very easily breaks out of the chair he was tied to and fights yeah. the agent into submission. It ain't no thing. Um, and then Hiroshi leaves quickly to try to intercept the truck. Meanwhile, uh, the agent gets up and contacts his friend to inform him how much he fucked up. <laughs> like uh, they go to, he got away. Also, he knows our entire plan because I told him. <laughs> Whoopsie do. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, but I did anyway. Yeah, we probably should have sent him with you. Mm. <laughs> or we should have just shot him yeah, with actual bullets. With actual, well, we we haven't invented those. We're too lazy. We are far too lazy. We, we invented sleep yeah. bullets. We we probably should have stolen some guns first, though. Mm. <laughs> We're bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> So, while en route, though, uh, Hiroshi starts getting tailed by a little red car and a man on a motorcycle. And a second exciting car chase ensues. It's sure a car chase. Yep. Uh, more more really intrusive squealing tires, mm -hmm. more uh, weird shots. It, it, I remember this car chase very vividly as a kid because it is the most slapsticky car chase I've ever it's seen. It's so dumb. It, it goes on way too long. It goes on for a while. They, they drive down a big flight of stairs on a hill. Mm -hmm. Which is hilarious, especially watching the motorcycle guy go, because he's like, eh, 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 eh. Um, They drive down a very steep hill. They go through a dirt quarry. Uh, the motorcycle ends up jumping Hiroshi's car <laughs> after running directly into it. Yeah. Hiroshi drives through a shed, but the red car can't quite make it for some reason. And the motorcycle falls over into, like, a shed and under a big bucket of concrete. And as he's trying to get up, he's Spills it on himself. Wah, wah, wah. Interestingly enough, the motorcycle man is also played by the Zootopian leader actor uh, and stuntman Robert Dunham. Ah, so he was double dipping. He was double dipping. His chest hair was not seen in the yeah. uh, motorcycle outfit. Otherwise, we would have known it was him. <laughs> you would have identified it instantly. So then we cut to Megalon finally arriving on the surface of this dried up lake. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about Megalon's design. He, I, I like... This big bug man. He, it's a good design. There's a reason, like, Megalon is one of the many one-off monsters in Godzilla movies, and uh, in, all, in all honesty, a relatively easily forgotten one. Yeah. But it's a good design, and he shows up in all Godzilla property, like, games and uh -huh. stuff. Uh, especially the games. I, I yeah, think it's yeah. pretty much he, just the games and yeah. stuff. But, um, but he's got a really cool design. He Like, sticking with, uh, if Jet Jaguar is Ultraman, this is a very Ultraman villain-looking design. Sure. Which lends credence to the idea that this was supposed to be a Jet Jaguar movie. Right. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's clearly based off of, or at least inspired by a Japanese um, uh, rhinoceros beetle. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's got that big, like, crest on his head. Um, mm -hmm. He's got big old antenna, big old bug eyes. He's got, like, beetle wings kind mm -hmm. of in the back, or yeah. beetle shell, anyway. Yeah, he's got, he's got wings. He's got, a, like, an iridescent yeah. shell, shell with wings underneath. Um, but the most, of course... The most noticeable thing are his big ol' arms. They're like these weird wedge spade-shaped things mm -hmm. that when he puts them together, they form a drill. Yeah. Um, so, no, he's, he's got a unique design. He's definitely uh, in what I would consider when you think of giant monsters from Godzilla, 
Megalon is a good design to think of. Uh-huh. Um, so, he shows up, and J- Jaguar flies around and begins luring Megalon towards Tokyo. Be- because, you know, they're mad at the surface world for nuclear testing. Better attack Japan. Yeah. <laughs> That's saying there's some statements that could be made about that. I just think I just think Seatopia has no idea about Earth nations. Yeah, th- this was just the first one they saw. Yeah, they're like Tokyo. Everybody around here see, keeps, keeps talking about Tokyo. We're going to attack Tokyo. Um we cut back to the drivers who are listening to the radio which informs them that a new monster has emerged from the lake. So again, this is not a, an unusual occurrence. Right. Um, and has already destroyed many buildings, which was not pictured. No. <laughs> he just kind of got up and walked away. Figured you'd want to show that in yeah. a Godzilla movie. We didn't get to see this. Um, the truckers hear this, that he's coming out of the lake they're driving to. So they're like, instead, let's just dump the crate over the dam since the lake is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting leap in logic. Like, they're being paid to drop this container. Like, I love getting into these truck drivers' heads. They're being paid a decent sum of money to deliver this crate to a lake and dump it into a crack in the lake. Right. They don't know why. They even ask the guy. They're like, why are we doing this? He's like, you're not being paid to ask questions. Okay, we'll just keep doing this. And then like, okay, well, that's too dangerous. Why don't we just dump it into the, over the dam? We'll dump it into this other right. place in well, a body of water instead. <laughs> There's actually water there. It's a bonus. <laughs> so that's hilarious to uh-huh. me. Um. But uh, the the guy, they're like when he when they make that decision, the guy pulls a gun on him, and then we get a weird cut to the military mobilizing and people uh, evacuating. This is all stock footage. Oh yeah, yeah. I imagine this has been used a few times. Yep. And then we cut back to uh, the truck and replay the last five seconds of yeah. what happened, <laughs> as if nothing had ch- like it was just such a weird cut. So uh, nothing changed. Yeah, and then these two truck drivers easily outsmart and overpower the agent and throw him out the truck and down a mountain. Uh-huh. And he makes a real good sound as he does as he flies out. That's the sound a man makes when he falls down a mountain. That's exactly that's what that is. <sighs> um and he's dead. He's gone. He's gone. He's out of the movie. <laughs> he can't, yeah. can't survive that. Uh but these two truck drivers still have a job to do. They're very dedicated <laughs> and they, to the man they just murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they threw the dude who was paying them out of a truck and they're like, well, I guess we got to still what, do it. What else are we going to do this afternoon? <laughs> so they, they take the crate to the dam anyway. Um, and they, they start to, you know, it, it's a flatbed truck. Yeah. And uh, like a dump truck almost. It starts lifting up and sliding the, the crate out. But Megalon shows up just in time. It's kind of peeking over the, the dam, which is the most elaborate set made for this movie. And it, it looks, looks good. Pretty, it looks good. I like it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it, it makes the, the truckers stop dumping the crate, and Hiroshi arrives. And their decision is to steal his car instead of taking their own truck for some reason. <laughs> and uh, strands him and he leaves him to try to figure out how to lower the truck bed on his own. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Megalon crashes through the dam, and the crate ends up falling, and Megalon just kind of bats it away, and it sails over a nearby hill where it lands and safely deposits Rokuro and Goro on the ground. That. Yeah, without any, without a scratch. Yeah, they're, without, fine. they're fine. So, um, 
Hiroshi reunites with them, gets them awake, and Rikuro has the idea to send Jet Jaguar to go get Godzilla. Um, and it's okay because Goro built a secondary transmitter just in case the his main computer failed, but it only operates on D&D logic in line of sight. <laughs> we cut to a, the obligatory military engaging Megalon scene with a lot of stock footage, including the re reused stock footage from <laughs> several scenes. Um, and then uh, we cut back to Goro convincing the military somehow to take him into line of sight with Jet Jaguar via a helicopter. Yeah. Don't know how he did that, but he did. <laughs> They're very trusting of this engineer man. <laughs> um, Goro tells Jet Jaguar to go get Godzilla, and Jet Jaguar complies. So the agent at the lab, um, who realizes he no longer has control of JJ... Uh, he radios uh, Emperor Antonio to let him know, uh, <laughs> to let him know what's going on, and Antonio's backup plan is: Well, stay where you are. Who knows? You might get a chance to take it under control again. These guys are flying by the seat of their pants. They know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I I love Emperor Antonio because he's just <laughs> he's just hang out, see what happens. Yeah, I don't think he realizes he's. Like he's in charge. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's he he has no idea what's going on. He had no plan. He's like, I didn't even think I'd get this far. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's he's just <laughs> every, when the shit hits the wall, he's just like kind of shrugs his shoulders and like, let's just play this out. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just see. You know, you never know. This could play in our favor. Yep. Um, and then he con commands the suit next to him to contact the Star Hunter Universe M to request Gigan's help. Fucking what? <laughs> so um, it was established in in, in Gigan's debut film, uh -huh. uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, just a couple films pre prior to this. Uh, it was established that that's where Gigan is from, is Star Hunter Universe M. It's okay. the universe of cockroaches. Um, Great. Great place. <laughs> So that that it was previously established. How Zootopia knows about this and knows where they are and has like their pin pals or something with them, <laughs> I don't know. But um, and then Zootopia also apparently has agents on uh, Easter Island. Yeah, well, you're never, never going to hear from them again. Yeah, no, that's the last we hear of that. Like you, you get that scene, and it's like, oh, what are they going to do? Nothing. <laughs> Um, so we cut back to Megalon, who is throwing an absolute fit without having his guide. Uh -huh. Just huge temper tantrum, throwing himself everywhere, all but rolling around on the floor, and it's very hilarious. Um, so we see Jet Jaguar arriving to Godzilla and communicating with him. Um, telling him, you know, to go help follow him to Japan. And then we get some stock footage of Godzilla jumping down into the ocean. And let's let's talk a little bit about Godzilla's design here. If we must. So, um, I mean, it's it's not the worst Godzilla design. It's not my favorite, but... I, I just don't care for how soft he looks in this era. Yeah, um, so this suit specifically was, uh, was built in a week. And it is the fastest Godzilla suit they've ever built. Mm -hmm. So, considering that, it doesn't look bad for that, but... But yeah, he, he does look very soft because through the majority of the Shawa era, the from the 1960s through the 1980s, right? Um, 
they they made him you know they were targeting him more towards kids they were making him more friendly looking so they increased the size of his head they rounded his head they rounded all of his edges mm -hmm. uh they they started making the suits a lot less bulky so that the stunt actors and suit actors inside could maneuver a little bit and actually you know emote and act and stuff <laughs> and you get a lot of that going here yeah but like um one of the more noticeable things and the thing that i can't stand about this is because of the rush job, they weren't really able to do his eyes justice. Like, he can't blink, he can't move his eyes yeah, or anything. It's a, he's very, like, facial par paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. And his eyes are, like, big, brown, and have weird circular patterns in them. Mm -hmm. And I do not like it. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't care for that. But otherwise, I mean, it's just, it's Godzilla. So... Um, Hiroshi and uh, Rokuro stop by at a model shop, and they take a model plane. I, this was weird. Yeah, for, for reasons that are yet unclear. Mm -hmm. um, they make their way back to the lab, where they smash the model plane into the agent's face and try to take him out. That was the whole plan there. They just yeah. drive this little like remote control plane directly into his face. <sighs> Throwing a baseball would have done the same thing. Right, know. right. But... Um, so they rush in and attack him. <laughs> they don't, like, stop and show them building the model and, like, making <laughs> sure the motor works and the batteries are charged and everything. <laughs> nope. I mean, you don't even know it's a remote control until it's, yeah. <laughs> until it's happening. <laughs> but um, Hiroshi is having a hell of a time in this round two with this agent. But Rakuro comes in like a wrecking ball and smashes him with that cube decor. <laughs> I'm glad it came back. <laughs> And they, they do this just in time for Goro to arrive. So, whatever. Um, and together, they all three of them flee the approaching Megalon. And we get a quick scene of Megalon knocking some rocks down. And one of the rocks crushes the agent. And he's dead, too. He is very dead. He's gone. Bye-bye. So, um, Megalon continues to destroy stuff. And Gigan shows up. And uh, we have a lot of scenes of Megalon using his, like, horn laser. Because he, he shoots lasers out of his horn. Right. And we get a lot of scenes of him blowing up buildings. This is all stock footage from uh, from uh, King Ghidorah from Godzilla vs. Gigan. Oh, really? They're, the reason that Megalon shoots those electric beams from his horn uh -huh. is because... And they do look exactly like King Ghidorah's uh, gravity beams. Uh-huh. The reason they did that... Is so that they could use this stock footage. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That it was very intentional. That's pretty bad. <laughs> hey, in budget cuts, I guess. Um, there there and again, to be a point where it's just like, why bother? Because like, I have to speak because this movie was targeted towards kids. Yeah. I was the target, target audience when I saw this movie. Guess what didn't bother me? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I ate this shit up. <laughs> I didn't even realize what stock footage was yeah. until much later in my life. <laughs> and then even still, it took me a lot longer than that to even identify the stock footage after <laughs> rewatching some of this. So, so yeah. Um, but uh, Gigan arrives to help out Megalon and uh, Jet Jaguar returns to the lab with the three and immediately begins ignoring Goro's commands. And Goro tells us that he's programmed himself for survival. I built that into him. I don't think Goro really understood what he was doing when he made Jet Jaguar. <laughs> this motherfucker's sitting over here building Skynet going, I wonder what this will do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing that Jet Jaguar is a, uh, a man of justice. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, Oops, I accidentally the entire singularity. <laughs> so yeah, Jet Jaguar has apparently become self-aware and thirsts for Megalon's blood. Yeah, well, that's how you know he's self-aware. <laughs> yeah. uh, he goes back, and Megalon is thrilled to have his new toy returned to him. And so Jet Jaguar lands and grows big. Yeah, and Goro <laughs> didn't make program that into him either. No. He just did that. No, we, we get another throwaway sign where um, Goro said that he uh, he must have built that. He must have programmed himself to be able to do that too. Yeah, sure, because that that's you can do that with programming. <laughs> it's, it's just a programming feature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my PS4 to do the same thing. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> get big. Um. It's like programming your fucking car to grow. Like, <laughs> now the computer in my car's jacked up. I'm going to take it into the shop, and also I'm going to make it skyscraper yeah. sky size. You may program this to get big. Yeah. <laughs> at will. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, on, when it wants its, to. At its will. When it wants to, it can get big. <laughs> yeah. Can you also program it for survival so it ignores my commands? Yeah. <laughs> I want a what... Kia Soul the size of a Sears Tower. <laughs> and, oh, and then watch it decide what who gets to yeah. live and die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is some I'm sure Ultron. my Kia Soul has like a, uh, a little bit of a sense of morality. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I've yeah. treated it well. This is some Ultron bullshit yeah. here. So just don't let it connect to the internet. <laughs> Do you want James Spader as a robot? This is how you get James Spader as a robot. <laughs> it's really funny, too, because this, the first thing that Jet Jaguar does after growing big is he just runs up and decks Megalon yeah, just, in the face. Just punches a man. <laughs> and they tussle. Yeah. That's the only way you can describe what they do. <laughs> like, have you ever seen a tussle? This yeah. is a textbook tussle. <laughs> um, Megalon ends up flying around Jet Jaguar very, very fast, and this makes Jet Jaguar dizzy. So he also programmed himself how to get dizzy. <laughs> well, it's just a weird thing to program, but sure. Yep. And then they tussle again. <laughs> like ro robot programming itself to learn how to be drunk. <laughs> yep. Uh, Goro and the gang show up to watch the fight. That's when he deduces that JJ... Uh, programmed himself to increase in size in yeah. order to fight. Yeah. And um, Megalon begins uh, digging around underground to get the upper hand on Jet Jaguar, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really work out for him. And then Gigan finally arrives at the fight to help tip the scales. Yeah. And now let's talk about Gigan's design. Yeah, let's, because Gigan rips. So those who are uninitiated, Gigan is one of the more prolific Godzilla monsters, more more reoccurring and, mm -hmm. and popular ones. I mean, he's no Mothra, obviously. He's not any of those. Um, whereas... He's a good I, mook monster. He's Yeah, like, I would say that, like... I was trying to come up with a good analogy, and this one might not land, but if King Ghidorah is the Joker to Godzilla's Batman, uh -huh. Gigan is like Two-Face. Yeah. Like, Gigan is a reoccurring villain. He's a pretty popular one. He's got a very cool-looking design. And King Caesar is like Condiment King. Exactly. <laughs> so is Jet Jaguar, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, although Jet Jaguar has made... No. No. Jet Jaguar has not made more appearances than King Caesar. No. Unless you consider each episode of Godzilla's Singularity Point. And who cares? That show sucked. So, Gigan is this... Reptile chicken looking thing? Yeah, he's got a... He's got a beak. beak. And he's got like a spiky mohawk. And a couple of winglings. And a buzzsaw tummy. Well, he's okay. So yeah, he's got this. He's got this chicken beak, but he also has like these pincers on the sides of the beak. Yeah, uh, a single red eye with a small like red 
eye above that, like a real small like gem mm-hmm. uh, that he usually has, uh, can fire like laser beams out of. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does it in this movie. I don't remember him doing it. But yeah, he's got these blades on the tops of his head that kind of point forward. Three like fin-like wings on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, Buzzsaw tummy. Buzzsaw tummy. That's very, very important. Uh, although uh, in this movie, the suit was... Because this is not the same suit that was used in Godzilla vs. Oh, Gigan. Really? Uh, they redesigned it, and this one, the buzzsaw tummy, tummy cannot move. Oh, that's it, unfortunate. Um, it's just a fixed thing. Whereas in the previous one, it did actually move, because it, it canonically, Gigan can buzzsaw with it. Uh-huh. Um, he's got scythe arms. Like little hook, hook arms. Yeah, like. little hook arms. Pretty much scythe feet, too. Like uh-huh. little hook feet. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like, he's kind of a, a rad, very unique yeah. design. Like, it's weird, but he's got a very, like, D&D monster design. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, Like, I, I can see this guy scuttling along in the Underdark. Uh-huh. Uh, the suit acting for all of the monsters in this film were done by stuntmen who don't have any other credited roles that I could find. Mm-hmm. That is except for our man, Gaigan, here. Okay. Who was acted by Kenpachiro Satsuma, uh, who you may recognize is also the suit actor for pretty much the entirety of the Heisei era Godzilla, starting with the oh. return of Godzilla. I named my I named our uh, um, Godzilla stat block yeah. after Kenpachiro here. Okay. So, so that's that's him in that in that chicken space lizard thing. So, um, Jet Jaguar tries to flee, but Megalon shoots him out of the sky and then laughs at him. And then, the so Gigan and Megalon bash Jet Jaguar around for a little bit, and then they high-five. Yep. This is goofy shit. Uh, then they... Like, from this moment until the end of the fight, this becomes a WWE match. (laughs) Pretty much. Like, this is a a no-disqualifications match where it's like, okay, you've got Jet Jaguar and uh, Megalon, and then Gigan call, like, brings in some interference... And then Godzilla brings in more interference, but since it's a no DQ match, they just kind of go at each other, yep. and, like, yeah, it, it's very much a wrestling match. That's exactly what this is. Probably have, it, it, I mean, it, there's no way it wasn't inspired by that. Yeah. Um, or the choreography, anyway. Uh, they Even play... the storytelling. Yeah. Like, the, the silent storytelling is very professional wrestling. Um, they play a little volleyball with Jet Jaguar. That's funny as which, hell. Which also happens in, in professional wrestling, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. I don't watch it, so. Um, but uh, but then Godzilla arrives to even out the odds. Mm-hmm. Boingy music plays as he shows up. Yeah, <laughs> that's boing, not great. Boing, boing, boing. This is how you know this is goofy Godzilla. Yep. Uh, the the trio of monsters square off, and Godzilla helps J- Jaguar up, who gives him a quick handshake. Yeah. And the fight is on, and Godzilla kicks their asses. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then, like, after he knocks them both out, he goes to check to see if he should double tap, and Gigan sucker punches him, and Megalon fires a grenade pellet that lands near Godzilla's face. Uh, Jet Jaguar crawls over and grabs it and tosses it back at Megalon, and mm-hmm. it's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Megalon tried to bring in a foreign object into the match, and uh, <laughs> Jet Jaguar turned it against him. Well, this is more of like an actual like m- like a war movie kind of style. Like, yeah. I'm going to take this grenade and throw it back in the enemy. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Gigan takes to the air and buzzsaws Godzilla's shoulder, and there's a lot more blood than I remember. Yeah, that was shocking. <laughs> Just a huge spray of Godzilla blood. Um, then Gigan repeats this over and over again, doing loop-de-loops at Godzilla's head and shoulders. Uh-huh. Just over and over and over again. Less blood on all the subsequent hits. Um, and I'm pretty sure this segment is also stock footage. I, I would believe it. Um, meanwhile, Jet Jaguar is being uh, beating the snot out of Megalon. Um, and Godzilla finally knocks Gigan down and goes all Ralphie on him from, <laughs> from Christmas Story. He just sits on him and just pummels his face. Uh, suddenly, Gigan and Megalon just kind of disappear. And Jet Jaguar and Godzilla start looking for them. Then Gigan hits Godzilla in the back of the head with another buzzsaw flying attack. And it's also very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Megalon strikes out from below underground and takes out Jet Jaguar, and they end up switching fighting partners. Uh, we get to watch Godzilla and Megalon fight, and then Godzilla finally, when Godzilla finally wins, we cut over to Jet Jaguar, who's just sitting on the ground and getting kicked in the face by Gigan. <laughs> and again, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, Godzilla moves to help, but Gigan then moves and, uh, like, holds his hook hands at Jet Jaguar's throat, like, hold them hostage. But oops, Gigan forgot that Godzilla can shoot, and he shoots the, he shoots the hostage taker with his, his ray. But uh, so using this distraction, Gigan set excuse me, Megalon sets the ground around uh, Gigan and Godzilla uh, on fire, and then Gigan just kind of flies away and yeah. escapes. Um, Megalon continues to shoot his little fire pellets. They're 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 called napalm grenades in all the sources. Um, and uh, he keeps doing this until both Jet Jaguar and Godzilla are completely surrounded by fire. Um, there's some strange editing going on in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, finally, Godzilla jumps on Jet Jaguar's back and this the two fly silly. to safety. This is very fucking silly. When they land, Godzilla lights the two monsters up with his breath. And we cut briefly to see Topia, where, where uh, <laughs> for Antonio's pretty much ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, it's he's like, ready to quit at this point. <laughs> Back this is not getting better for us. He's just like, prepare to seal the entrance to Cetopia. <laughs> we're pulling out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure where we got a Megalon, but we're leaving him up there. Uh, Gigan tries to flee. He's done with this, but J- Jaguar knocks him down while Godzilla just wrecks Megalon's shit. Uh-huh. Um, Megalon tries to fire a, uh, one of his napalm pellets up at Godzilla, but it literally just falls directly back down into his mouth. <laughs> it's also very funny. <laughs> um, Jet Jaguar brings Gigan over and then breaks his freaking arm. Uh-huh. This is another, like, this wrestling thing. Uh-huh. It's like, pow, just the arm snap back. And yep. it's like, yep. And then he tosses him into the air where Godzilla, like, kind of skeet shoots him with his breath. Uh-huh. Also a wrestling maneuver. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Gigan is officially out. He He's like, peace, and he flees. Um... This is the last we would see Gigan in the Shawa series of Godzilla films, um, but he would later return in the Zone Fighter series with <laughs> Alam with Godzilla, uh-huh. where he would officially be killed. Um, <laughs> Fucking put a bullet in him. Yeah, that's that's where Gigan Gigan's Shawa era officially ends. Is in the Zone Fighter series. Godzilla was in like five uh-huh. episodes of that. They used the same suit, but they were able to finish it, <laughs> so the eyes blinked and stuff. That's good. Um, and it was filmed very shortly after yeah. the filming of this movie. But. Probably that same afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jet Jaguar and Godzilla move to uh, attack Megalon again. Um, Jet Jaguar picks him up and holds him, kind of just 
holds him at bay, mm-hmm. and uh, Godzilla backs way up. And then the scene happens. Yeah. <laughs> this is some goofy bullshit here. Yeah, so... <laughs> This is another. This is probably one of the more infamous scenes, especially for Godzilla it's fans. Very mimetic, yeah. Yeah, I even have a shirt <laughs> that's incredible. I love it, um, where Godzilla just kind of starts running and then does what looks like it's going to be a drop kick. Uh huh. But his tail is dragging on the ground, and he just keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> he's so going and going slide. and going and going. And he slides on his tail until he just hits Megalon. And he backs up. And he does it again. I, how did they decide that this is what Godzilla should do? Like, is slide on his tail? <laughs> like, I can see if they were if he was backing up for like a shoulder charge or something like that, or like a drop kick. Or well, see, that's all. Even after I watched this scene as a kid, and like in the interim between uh-huh. then and growing up, I always thought that must have been what they were trying to do was do a drop kick, and they just extended it too long. But then you watch no. it. No, no, that is definitely they, not they, what they're this, doing. Yeah, they intended to have him just slide on his tail like it's made of. Roller skates. Roller skates. <laughs> it skates yeah. on it. <laughs> like he's got a skateboard strapped to his ass or something. Yeah. Um, it's real good. It's real good. Um, but, uh, and then we get a classic monster fight tail slam where Godzilla grabs Megalon by the tail and just starts slamming mm-hmm. him up and down. Um, and at this point, Megalon has had enough. He's, he's ready to go home. So he flies back down to Seatopia, and as soon as he's in there... Uh, Antonio blows up the lake bed and buries Seatopia once again. He's like, yep. This was a bad idea. This is... <laughs> yeah, this this did not go my way. He doesn't seem... It's funny, too, because he's not, like, particularly upset about it, either. He's just like, well, we tried. Come on back. <laughs> we did the best we could, and in God's eyes, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> bring our giant uh, beetle thing back here, and... Br- bring our giant... <laughs> bring our Megalon home. <laughs> so that happens we gotta put him back to bed and we have to shout at him to go to bed just like we had to <laughs> shout at him to get up Megalon take a nap yeah, take a nap Megalon go to sleep <laughs> um Jet Jaguar and Godzilla exchange pleasantries and shake hands uh it's actually some really bad noises yeah it's not great Godzilla, Godzilla makes some bad noises And Godzilla goes back home. Jet Jaguar shrinks back down and reunites with his family, where he has returned control to Goro for some reason. Goro is baffled. Yeah. Hiroshi is baffled. Rock is there. Yeah. Uh, Rokuro, they, they put Rokuro on Jet Jaguar's shoulders. And I don't think the suit actor knew they were going to do that. Because <laughs> he just, like, stumbles a bit when they drop him on there. <laughs> And then J- Jaguar's theme song plays. And this is, yeah, this is it's an good, incredible theme. It's a good theme song. Um, so, yeah, and that was Godzilla vs. Megalon, the first Godzilla movie I ever owned. And like I said, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in that. Uh. <laughs> um, and I remember, like, the cover art of this movie. They, they were trying to capitalize on King Kong popularity. Oh, yeah? And the cover art of the movie had Godzilla and Megalon standing on top of the World Trade Center towers. Oh, nice. Fighting each other. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> it was epic. This movie was not... <laughs> no. <laughs> but I loved it as a kid. I ate this shit up. So, um... So, yeah. Anything else to add, Chris? Like, the, the parts with the human actors are so inconsequential 
as to not even matter. Like, this is very much a, we're here for the monster fights movie. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's a pretty good monster fight. It's fun. There's some really goofy bullshit, but it's still fun. <laughs> I still love the truck drivers who stole Hiroshi's car. And, I mean, they never got their comeuppance. No. <laughs> and they never finished the job. No. They were they were going to, but... <laughs> I love I love Emperor Antonio. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's something else. Um, it's just it's a wild movie. Mm-hmm. Part of it though is just the sounds. Like 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 I've mentioned before that my my strongest memory sense is hearing. It's it's the uh-huh. sounds and hearing those screeching tires. I remember even as a kid, like oh god, it's oh it's it so intrusive. It's, it keeps going. It's intrusive. The uh, the 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 sound quality on the dubbing is just real awful, yeah. especially re- the kid playing Rakuro. Yeah. Like, oh my One god. One thing I do have to say is, uh, I watched this on Midnight Pulp site. This was a very good transfer. Oh really? Yeah, it was. Nice. I was very impressed. It was very crisp. The audio was fine. Like I, I was very impressed with it. I figured it would just. I'm I'm used to watching bad transfers. <laughs> like right. I get the <laughs> shitty ones. Well, that's because this isn't a John Carpenter. Flick. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it. But. Um, yeah, I was very impressed with the uh, Midnight Pulp does amazing work in our for like archival stuff. Mm-hmm. They've got a really good collection of uh, horror and martial arts movies on there. It, I recommend them a lot. Sure, they, I am not paid to promote them. I just think they're neat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Midnight Pulp, if you want to pay yeah, us to promote fucking, you, we will do that. I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it for free right now. Give me a couple bucks. Yep, but um, yeah, no, I I can't comment too much. Like I watched this on YouTube. And as near as I could tell, it it was the exact same quality it as it was from trip. the VHS. Like yeah. it felt just like it. Yeah. So, um, I was I was honestly impressed with how crisp it felt when I was watching it on Midnight Pulp. That's cool. Well, with that, let's go ahead and cut over to a crunch. What do you say? Might as well. Domo arigato, Mr. Robot. So welcome back to Creature Crunch. Uh, we are going to crunch us up a giant monster. Yeah. Um, so I already did Godzilla. You did. And honestly, uh, as fun as it would be to make a Godzilla stat block that has the tail slide, um, yeah. I could have done Jet Jaguar, but again, I feel like that's yeah. better for Kibbles, um, especially since his name ain't in the title. That's true. <laughs> uh, Gigan. There's going to be plenty of other opportunities for Gigan. Yeah. So I went with a Megalon. Um, now, I did make another interesting choice in this, in that um, I decided not to make him a kaiju. I didn't make him oh, really? giant. I didn't go for the okay. gargantuan thing. Well, I figured that, like, we, this is not going to be the last Godzilla movie we cover. It's true. And there are going to be other giant monster movies. We could just keep making giant kaiju stat blocks. Okay. But, like, let's be honest, how many campaigns have you ever been in where the Tarrasque has actually made an appearance? Right, right. Or those high-level things. So I decided instead to take our Megalon, shrink him down, and create a relatively low-challenge rating monster that represents him or is inspired by him. Um, So I am calling our guy the Megalantis. Okay. Um, Partly because it's a mantis, but also Atlantis. 
Okay. It's a double gotcha. thing yeah. that I did. Um, I made him large, so he is he's not humanoid size. He's a bit bigger. Uh, he's a large monstrosity, and he's chaotic evil. Um, he's got an armor class of 14 because I, I, I put this guy at a challenge rating 5. Okay. Um, and let's face it, I based him a lot off of the bullet. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, with, yeah. with a few changes, That's obviously. Right. So the bullet has a lot higher of AC. Um, mm-hmm. I gave our guy a lot lower, but you'll see why here in a minute. Uh, he's got an average of 144 hit points. He's got a 30-foot speed and a 60-foot burrow speed. Um, the uh, the sources tell me that that guy or that uh, Megalon can burrow at Mach 2. That's fast. That's really fast, especially underground. Yeah. Uh, I decided to not necessarily lean into that. Okay. <laughs> but um, his attributes, uh, lower strength, decent dexterity, um, middling constitution, but I gave him a low intelligence because as soon as the J- Jaguar's out of his sight, he's just like inconsolable. Uh-huh. He's just, ah, he can't, he can't control himself. He has no direction. He doesn't, he cannot clearly not follow long-term uh-huh. instructions. Though he does have the know-with-all to team up with Gigan and realize that Gigan is helping him. So I didn't put it much lower than that, even though I wanted to. Um, and I did give him relatively high wisdom just on the merit that he's got big old bug eyes. And I know that wisdom isn't necessarily like... That's where wisdom is contained in the eyes. <laughs> it's contained in the eyes. But uh, again, he, he does have no withal to know who his foes are and mm-hmm. how to team up. So okay. that's kind of where I went with that. Um, one of the few creatures that we've created for Creature Crunch that does not have any damage immunities, resistances, yeah. weaknesses, or anything. He just has passive perception of 13 and speaks no languages. Okay. That's it. Um, he's also only got one trait, which is a standing leap, uh, where his long jump is 30 feet and his high jump is 15 feet with, with or without a running start, which is just like the bullet. Okay. And at this point, I was like, oh, crap, I'm just making the bullet, but shit. Mm-hmm. So I may have gone overboard here, but that I tried to make up for it in the actions. Okay. Uh, he's got multi-attack, where the Megalantis can make two claw attacks. I didn't know what else to call those things, so claw just yeah. seemed okay. Um, the claw is a melee weapon attack. It is plus five to hit one target, dealing an average of 13 bludgeoning damage. 3d6 plus two. He's got a drill attack. It's a melee weapon attack, plus five to hit. Uh, this one does 4d12 plus three bludgeoning damage for an average of 29. So he can either hit you with one claw and then the other, or he can put them together and just drill you. Um, it equates to roughly like on average about the mm-hmm. same amount of damage just kind of he want if he wants to put it all in one attack or two um but he i did give him something else called an underground ambush if the megalantis is underground and can move to a target on the ground it may make a single drill attack at advantage against the target, surfacing in the process and then appearing in an unoccupied space within five feet of the target. If the attack hits, the target must make a DC 14 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. Okay. So he's a little bit more inclined to dig underground, move over to you, and then pop up trying to hit you. Okay. Um, and then I gave him the laser horn, which is a ranged weapon attack, plus six to hit. One target dealing an average of 30 fire damage, which is 5d10 plus 3. So, uh, he'll probably want to do that a lot. But Yeah. Um, and then he's got the napalm bomb. Napalm bomb, which is a recharge of 5 to 6, where he spits a ball of fire at a point he can see within range, uh, which is 60 feet. 
and it explodes in a 15-foot radius. Each creature within that area must make a DC 14 dexterity saving throw or take uh, 8d6 fire damage on a fail, half as much on a, su- on a success. All so. right, then. Just a little fireball. Yeah, just a little fireball. So nothing overly flashy, um, but I tried to implement everything that I noticed from Megalon, especially mm-hmm. in this rewatch of the movie. Um like I said, he's kind of like a bullet, but with a little bit different specialties. Yeah. So. And he's got ranged attack, which bullet really doesn't have. No, no. I mean, the bullet has the leap attack where it can just leap at you and land on right. you and wreck your shit. But the bullet only also only attacks once a turn. So I don't know. It it'd be interesting to see this thing as a counterpart to the uh, mm-hmm. the bullet. So. Um, and that's what I got. Cool. So yeah, that's fun. Cool, cool. Uh, so with that, Chris. Yeah. Um, what what are we doing for uh, yours? This is which is next coming up in February, I guess. Wow. Okay. Um, we are going to be watching Stuart Gordon's uh, 1986 From Beyond. Okay. Sounds good. Uh huh. Another practical effects weirdness. Cool. Cool. I'm excited um, for that. I'm always excited for him. Um. Well, sweet. With that, uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, I know it's it's been a bit. Sorry about that. Do If you did enjoy the bonus episode that I released last week, which was the, or last week, last two, we- two weeks ago, which was the Killer Clowns from Outer Space Kibbles. Mm-hmm. I, it was one of our better ones, I thought. It was fun. Um, I enjoyed that one a yeah, lot. If you enjoyed that, uh, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. It's only five bucks a month. Uh, I mean, get a huge amount of nonsense nonsense D content um including the ability to play like the predator or mm-hmm. uh be the ghost rider or have your villain have your players punch john voight in the face um <laughs> like there's there's a lot there um and it also helps support us keeping this going uh i mean we, we we're doing this mostly for us we're really enjoying mm-hmm. it but it, it definitely helps um if you don't want to swing for that five bucks and still want to support us, one dollar a month gets you the fur buddy level. Right now, just a tip jar. We'd really appreciate that. Maybe do something in the future. I don't know. Chris, one dollar a month, you can keep us from. I don't know. You can help me mitigate some of the myriad of technical difficulties that I'm having and continue <laughs> yeah. to have. As because everything explodes around you. Everything is exploding. My external hard drive. I've already lost two cords from the from our recording equipment. My laptop stopped wanting to record a couple times, especially during this episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that would help out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if not, tell your friends, rate us, review us, whatever. Reach out if you want. We'd really appreciate hearing from you. Um, I think I'm just rambling at this you point. Are. You can uh, catch our socials in the, dis- in the uh, description as well as links to the stat blocks. As long as it's still going. Like, who fuck knows? Yep. Uh, and Chris... Uh, uh, can we find you anywhere on the internet? Uh, I am still technically available on Twitter at the library C that C E E, uh, same place on like Tumblr, but like I am not super active on social medias at the moment. Yep. And, uh, that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm not super active, although I have doing, been doing a lot of streaming and I'm, I've been yeah. posting those streaming with friends and family, um, over the weeks, uh, playing, uh, Deep Rock Galactic, and uh, more recently, Grounded for the first time. 
Um, but you can find me on Twitter. I am, of course, at Danny underscore Hamstake, and I'm on Tumblr at The Best Disguise, though I'm probably going to be changing that to Danny Hamstake here pretty soon. Um, there you go. Yeah, not much to be... Not much more to be said about that. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in two weeks. Whoop, whoop.